0: Owl Nation, you are now listening to the Owl Chat Podcast, your one-stop shop for everything Kennesaw State Athletics, with your hosts, Kai Millett and John Finer.
1: And it is a rare victory post-game show here on the Owl Chat Podcast, and perhaps one of the Better ones that we've had all year. Uh, I am here joined by my co-host and partner, as always, Mr. John Finer, Coach Nick Parada, and our producer, Mr. Nick Massaroni. Fellows, how are we doing this afternoon? We won. We
2: kicked their ass. There was no stress from the very beginning. Um, it was it was great.
3: Yep, big senior day for Murph. Love to see it.
2: Yeah. Keep
1: it short and sweet. Um, Yeah. uh, No stress at all. Like you said, John, it was over from the first drive. Um, But for those who weren't able to watch just a quick summary on how things went. Um, So, like I said, things started quickly for the owls when Markeith Montgomery got us on the board first with a pick six on Virginia Lynchburg's very first drive. And then for the rest of the first half, the seniors had their way. Jonathan Murphy got in the end zone. Michael Benefield got in the end zone twice. Um, Isaac Foster scored his final touchdown as an owl. Um, And then Rowan, Darnell scored his first touchdown as now the sophomore tight end, uh, hauled in a touchdown pass from, I think, four yards out. Um, and then in the second half, some of the lower guys on the depth chart got their touches. Um, Davis Bryson, who came into the game in the third quarter, um, scored his second touchdown on the ground. Um, then DJ Scott and Kenai Greer tacked on late touchdowns. Um, Virginia Lynchburg did hit a 43-yard field goal, I believe. Maybe it was 45, um, something we've been unable to do all year. Um, but that would make the final score six to three. So season is over. Initial thoughts. How do we feel guys?
2: I am feeling good. Like I said, you know, it was a relaxing game. I'll be honest. You know, I had to go out. So I didn't even watch the second half. I'm not even going to bullshit. Like the game was over. You know, you, you didn't get this vibe from Kennesaw state at all this year, but the game was over. You could tell from the beginning we're outmatched. Usually, you know, in the past, I might complain like, Oh, it's so boring, but you know what? This is what we needed. This is what we wanted. Um, we outclassed them and yeah, that's pretty much it.
3: Yeah, it was good to see us play with the, you know, effort, attitude, and toughness that we're built on. Um, you know, we did, we kind of played down to Lincoln's level a little bit, um, a few weeks back. So it was good to see us dominate from the get, um, kind of reminding me of, of the good old days. So it was definitely good to see us get back on the right side of things. I know it's been a really tough year. Um, you know, but we're, we're a couple of drives or a couple missed field goals away from, you know, potentially being more like eight and one or seven and two or potentially nine and oh, which is the crazy thing to think about. So mm-hmm. good to end on end on a high note, especially for all the seniors. I think that's the best part is, you know, they I mean, they literally we literally played everyone in this game. Um, so it was good to, to see some guys get some action that usually don't. So uh, overall, a very positive day for the Owls.
1: Right. Absolutely. Nothing to complain about for me. Um, Dominated from start to finish. I think there was only one drive that we didn't score on and we turned the ball over on downs when um, Bohannon was in at quarterback. Um, But yeah, we finished three and six, three one possession losses, I believe. Um, So maybe not fully indicative of how the season went. Uh, That being said, it's over and we can start looking ahead to Conference USA. Um, There's not a ton to unpack on this game, um, but we do want to talk about it a little bit. Uh, one of the things that we talked about a little bit in our preview for this uh, last week on the midweek show was who would be worse, Virginia Lynchburg or Lincoln. Um, I want to say that question has been answered just based on results, um, but I want to hear what y'all think.
2: Well, I think uh, you know if we we did not bring the effort, attitude, and toughness versus Lincoln, like we did versus Virginia Lynchburg. However, you know, going into an alternate universe and putting Virginia Lynchburg's kicking game Onto Lincoln, a couple weeks ago, all things remaining the same, that would have been much more of an interesting game. Uh, not in the Owls' way, but that would that would have been close.
1: Yeah, no, I totally agree. Um, when Virginia Lynchburg came out in the first half, I thought they looked, you know, more like a real football team than Lincoln did, <laughs> just based off little things like having actual jerseys and, you know, having a, a full side.
2: Their jersey said Dragons on the name. Oh, they were they were horrible. Don't get me wrong,
1: but but at least they were Adidas and not, you know, whatever that rec league brand was that Lincoln had on. Um, You know, that being said, we also did trot out a better team against Virginia Lynchburg than we did against Lincoln. Um, I I don't know. Lincoln (laughs) gave us all they had, I guess. You got to give them credit to an extent, but.
2: I it's a question that I'll leave unanswered from, well, from my Lincoln, did ha- Lincoln did have a bunch of players that, you know, like uh way of the running back. They Some did guys that were, I felt were, could have been higher level. Um, Lynchburg felt more like a traditional, what, what were they like D three or something like that?
1: They were unaffiliated. Um, unaffiliated
2: okay. same boat
1: as Lincoln. But uh, the thing that got me with Lynchburg is they did have a D two win, you know, so they had, you know, <laughs> competence, I guess. And they had a pretty good kicker. From what we saw uh, I don't remember exactly how close the 50 plus yarder that he missed in the second half was Um, but he nailed that one from 45 or whatever it was, it was so. I think it was 42 um, it might have been 42
0: correctly. it,
2: w- it would have been good from 45 though it was a nice looking kick yeah official stats have it as 43 there you go right in the middle yeah and I mean the guy was punting for them too so I mean he just probably moonlights his like everything so good for him
1: Right. So um, unless you had anything else to add, Coach Nick, um, like I said, uh, you know, seniors got their curtain call. Isaac Foster scored. Michael Benefield scored twice. Michael Benefield is listed as a junior, but he was posted um, as a senior, I believe, by the KSU football Twitter account. Um, So he's choosing to walk. Um, Who are we going to miss the most and why?
2: Uh, Well, I also want to add something to that. Um, uh, James Dawson, our center, uh, is also not returning. Um, that went under the radar, um, you know, didn't, you know, get out there, but I'm pretty sure he's not returning. He played in his fifth game yesterday. And if he was coming back, it would have been, uh, you know, he would not have suited up. So that's also going to be a big loss because you you saw how he played once we found a center that could snap the ball. So that could be half the magical formula of figuring out this offense, just being confident, you know, where the ball is going to be, when it should be and all of that kind of stuff. Um so shit I might just say James Dawson a, a sleeper candidate
3: yeah not not good if uh, if we got to replace uh, a bunch of big guys up front but I think we we already knew we we had a lot of we have a lot of growth to make up front uh, on the offensive line especially tr- transitioning away from the triple option um I think the, the senior that we'll miss the most is Murph I mean that guy embodies everything that our program is built upon that guy Came in in a game where, um, you know, he wasn't the starter and won us a playoff game, took the job, lost the job to Xavier, won it back. I mean, that guy has been through trials and tribulations and just been an unbelievable teammate throughout his entire uh, KSU history. And no one else that, you know, you'd rather represent the program as the quarterback of of, of the offense or as, as the team for the team than Murph. Um, so he will certainly be missed. He's a special talent, super athletic and throw the ball. Um, You know, it's going to be going to be tough to replace those games under his belt that he started in for so many years now. So I definitely think Murph is the one that will be missed. But, I, I, you know, that whole senior class is really, really special. Um, So very thankful to those guys and everything that they've done for our program.
1: Right. Yeah. Those were some of the last guys who, you know, went through those playoff games and those runs. So um, that experience is super valuable. I don't know you know, to what extent losing Foster and Murphy is going to, you know, impact how we play on the field, but their leadership is undeniable, you know, with Foster, he's been here seven years at some point, you know, he's got to go. But still not having that locker room presence is going to be something we haven't known in a minute. Um, So,
2: yeah. Yeah. We appreciate all these guys. Um, Just, you know, I'm just trying to, my consideration was, you know, how's it going to impact us on the field. Um, You know, right now, you know, perhaps I think Murphy would be second if you just, you know, we have to just like take one out and apply it to this season's team. But, you know, moving forward, we definitely need, you know, a couple transfer quarterbacks to kind of replace, you know, Murphy. Um, And just we can't put all our eggs in the Davis Bryson basket.
1: Right. So that's a fantastic uh, transition to our next point, which is uh, Davis Bryson, who got some action in the second half. And uh, when he played, looked really, really good. Uh, only threw the ball twice for one completion but you know on the ground looked really really fast got in the end zone Um, going forward to next year uh, we've talked about this a few times throughout the season but what's the goal with the QB room going into next season and do we still you know keep Bryson in that competition is he still a guy that we can you know expect to get looks um, early next year
2: absolutely I mean you can't you know you the QB room is already unproven as it is I mean I don't think you can willingly run away your uh the only one of the only guys that has any snaps no matter how few they might be so we we need to keep uh Davis Bryson you know have him come in as you know perhaps you know Qb1 right at the beginning and you know work alongside some other guys and uh you know see where it ends up
3: yeah, if I know Coach Bo at all, and, and you know, obviously Coach, Coach Klinakis has his say in whatever the offense does, but, it, you know, if things go the way I think they will, it's going to be open open competition for QB1. I mean, there there's nobody penciled in, as far as I'm concerned, at that, that spot. You're going to have to go earn it, and that's what's made the program successful is, you know, no one's no one's entitled to being the next guy up. You know, every, everything is earned. Um so I expect us to, yeah, definitely hit the portal up, definitely get some JUCO transfers, whatever it is, high school kids as well. I, I expect that quarterback room to be filled with with some talent and uh, with a lot of op- options to evaluate during spring ball.
2: I agree. And to clarify, I meant kind of like come in as the placeholder as QB1 Davis Bryson. We don't want to have that completely empty to where, you know, Braden Bohannon um, or something like that is our QB1.
1: Yeah, that would be a, an interesting situation to be in. Um, I'm with you guys. I think, uh, it's portal, portal, portal. Um, I don't think going, you know, after a true freshman, um, throwing him out there week one at, you know, the state of our program is a, is a good idea. Um, I like keeping Bryson in the mix. He's clearly a great athlete. Uh, I don't think we should abandon, um, his involvement totally, but, uh, definitely look elsewhere for answers.
2: Yeah. Same with Cole McCarty and, uh, Tyler Nelson, Um, You know, bring them back if the coaches feel like they can compete at the FBS level, Um, you know, keep developing them. And, you know, maybe by that time, they'll be in the mix. Right.
1: So, John, I wanted to ask you about something, because I was under the impression that uh, Michael Benefield was a junior and was going to be coming back next year. And I was kind of prepping the whole way to have him back next year. But apparently that's not true. Um, If you could tell me just what you know, because I haven't really been following the situation and you led me um, (laughs) to see that Benefield is in fact not returning this year, just what you know about that situation and his eligibility. And if he's graduating or not, just what you know.
2: Well, I don't know too much, but I do know. I saw that uh, tweet from, you know, Kennesaw state football and it said going to miss these guys on and off the field or something with pictures of, you know, seven people or whatnot. And uh, there's a picture of number zero, Michael Benefield. And uh, that just implies to me that he he's done. I think he's a redshirt junior. Um, so it's not surprising that he's not coming back. He was at Butler uh, before he was at Kennesaw State. I don't know how long he was there. So it doesn't, like I said, doesn't necessarily surprise me, but it is disappointing because he was one of the pleasant surprises of the season. And, you know, looking at the offense as it stands now, if we're just kind of, you know, looking towards next year, really the only person that I think we can, you know, put in there with, you know, even a pencil right now is, uh, is Benyard, Yard. Um, and that's, that's kind of concerning to me. Um, we're going to have a whole bunch of new people and perhaps some guys will keep their job, some guys will develop, but that's, that is terrifying to me.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, ben Yard is a really good player. So, you know, it's not, a terrible thing that he's you know the uh the uh consensus number one rb next year um that being said it's disappointing because bennefield quietly had a really really good year um but it might just be one of those cases of senior in college wants to graduate and move on with his life um so if that's the case wish him the best if he transfers elsewhere and plays you know wish him the best if you know something happens last minute and he comes back great if not um we've got to adapt so yeah.
2: And I mean, I, it could be one of those situations where he wants to transfer, you know, somewhere else and shine on a bigger stage. Or I mean, who knows? Um, I mean, I think uh, Shepherd Xavier Shepherd tried to perhaps uh, transfer at the last minute or whatnot. Not sure he turned up anywhere. So I'm not sure what that situation was. But, you know, hopefully whatever he chooses, hopefully, it, you know, it's the best for him. Um, you know, sad to see those uh, seniors go. Foster, Paxton. Um, all those guys kind of closes an era of Kennesaw state football a bit, but, uh, you know, we got to open up a new one and next year's, the games are going to count again. Um, no more of this red shirt roulette, no more bullshit, none of that. Yeah. So just one more thing to talk about in the game. Uh,
1: Connor Cummins, uh, I believe was still in on kickoff. Um, but, uh, freshman walk-on Eric Calvillo, Calvillo or Calvillo, um, took all the place kicks uh, went nine for nine on extra points. Um, so, you know, he was perfect. Um, we do understand that Cummins is graduating next year. Um, we've theorized about it enough. Obviously we got to go out and get somebody else out of the portal. Um, hopefully not rely too much on the incoming freshman, Greg Kelly. Um, but yeah, just talking about that. Uh, that being said, like I said, the, th- the season is over. Um, let's start shifting our expectations on to 2024 and conference USA. Yeah. Um, I'll give you the floor, John, what is to be expected in 2024, uh, for the kicking game for, uh, just the team as a whole, unless you got something to say about the kicking game. Oh, for the kicking game, you
2: know, there's no way in hell Connor Cummins is coming back. Um, I'll, I will say that right now, um, he is graduating, he's done, um, you know, um, uh, the uh, guy from Presbyterian also split kickoffs with Cummins and, uh, did a good job, uh, during the game, Eric Calvillo, I looked up his numbers from, was it South Gwinnett, uh, who hit the extra points. I did not see a field goal that was 30-plus. So, you know, I I feel like if the coaches saw him as the long-term answer, he would have been in before. And same with the Presbyterian guy. But again, you know, we'll have to see what happens. But looking into the future, you know, it's always good to end on a win, get that bad taste out of our mouths, get some optimism in the future. Better, you know, to end on this game for example, than say if this was the Lincoln game. I think we'd all, we're all happier right now. We're all a little bit more optimistic perhaps, especially because uh, I think Sam Houston uh, won their game this past week. So we're all feeling just a tad bit better. So I'm, again, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and keep the optimism. Very glad the season is over. I don't want to relive that. I don't want to watch another Kennesaw State football game this year. So if we were to pick another one up, I would not want to watch it. I would not want that to happen, but I'm excited for next year and seeing if we can be competitive and, you know, listening to Bo's press conferences and all that being competitive. I think we kind of all agree is the goal.
3: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's, that's always goal number one is to be competitive in every game. And that's kind of where the program started was, Hey, we just want to compete. We want to compete. We want to compete. And we start first year ever go six and five, then play for a conference championship in year two, go eight and three, um finish you know in and then year three a bunch of redshirt sophomores go 12 and 12 and two and go to the fcs quarterfinals and it was like whoa expectations have changed completely right we went from we just want to compete to we expect to win we expect to win the conference every year we expect to win the big south um so i, I think moving into conference usa feels like a rebirth of the program um just like 2014 slash 15 was of okay let's compete let's go and compete and how do we how do we best know how to do that? Well, we go back to doing what we do best, which is effort, attitude, and toughness. And it's cheesy, and it's an acronym, but I, I, as a former player, I live my life by it. I believe in it, um, and and I know that Coach Bo and 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 the the staff that that he's hired are going to do everything they can to to recruit their butts off, right? To get guys out of the portal, to get the right high school kids, get the right JUCO kids, so that when we roll out a an FBS football program in August of 2024 it's going to be the best absolute possible roster we could have um, and they're going to compete their tails off I I know that's going to be the case it's just frustrating to go have a three and six year after all the success we've had in FCS
2: and Bohannon said as much you know we're you know it's going to have that same attitude like when we first started the program you know we have to prove ourselves all over again Uh, especially after this, we would anyway, regardless of how we did this year, but now, especially um, we have to do that. And, you know, I think this was mentioned perhaps by coach Nick. I'm not sure, but now our season's over and um, we can recruit. And, you know, I saw a Juco, we offered a 300 pound, I think probably going to be a senior next year, uh, Juco lineman today. So they're already out there. They're already making gains. I think coach Bo said, you know, we're going to be recruiting Georgia to California, so probably going to spend some time in like the Midwest getting some Juco kids, Mississippi, California, wherever the hell they may be. We're going to get a, hopefully a lot of players. And I, I know Nick knows more about the recruiting game and where to find talent than I would. So I'll kind of leave it to him.
3: Yeah, I mean... Uh... There's there's no way we don't we can't utilize the portal. We just don't have the the depth there as it is for for an FCS program. But to transition away from the offense um, that we were in. To, to not bring in bigger bodies up front and that and that's that's the big difference between division one FCS and division one Fbs is in your skill positions you're going to have a couple more dudes here and there but for the most part it's there you know there's six three six four wide receivers all over the place that run well and can do what they can do and running backs that run hard but the difference is the trenches the size and the athleticism inside um in the box that's where we've got to get a lot bigger and so i know that's obviously with the first offer out already a Juco kid is you know is tremendous to get some more size on the inside um, to do a little bit more of the zone blocking that we've seen from Coach Klinakis than um, kind of the more veer scheme that we had under under Coach Chesnut. So um, I, I expect I expect us to to hit hit it hard. Um, I know in years past, Coach Bow has done either a, a plane or a helicopter, but um, they, you know, not, not quite the Kirby copter where he's all over the place, but I know that we've, we've done that in years past. I hope that we can get something like that going for this cycle. Cause we need, we need a tremendous December early signing
2: period um,
3: to kind of spark that, that juice and, and, and finish it strong in February.
2: And there was a lot of turnover over the past few years under coach chestnut. So I don't want to like understate that on the offensive line. Um, you know, where I think we ended up right now, I think we can kind of look back, you know, just by some analysis and, you know, looking at that class right after COVID, where we had to recruit from home. I mean, we had, uh, we had that's the Evan Thompson class. So We have Evan Thompson, Xavier Reddick. So that's two. And then you had uh, 21 others that I counted. All of those guys had multiple years more than, you know, Reddick and Thompson were like one and done. I believe we have, we're, we have like seven of those 21 still on the roster and that's the class of 2021. Those guys should be the core of this team and you're only returning seven. Um, so that is, I think, where we've really screwed ourselves and we need to kind of course correct. Um, we have like Tyke Wallace, the Benyards, who are great um, Gerard Woods and a few others from that class, but we should have, you know, probably 10 to 15 players from that class making difference right now.
1: Right. I do feel like that's, you know, somewhat reflective of the state of college football right now. Um, if guys don't play, they want to get out. Um, and you see that at the higher level, you see guys who are not getting time at power five schools, going to group of five schools, Or, you know, less competitive power five schools. And you see that at our level. I mean, I've got kids I'm in class with who are on the team and they're like, okay, we're not playing. So we're going to go D2. Guys want to play. Can't really blame them. Um, I wouldn't throw us under the bus um, because obviously, you know, not only has there been weird stuff, but college football has changed and, you know, guys uh, are less likely to stick around than they used to be.
2: Yeah, especially our systems changed as as well, but also the COVID effect. I mean, I don't I don't you know, I'm not a recruiter, but I imagine, you know, the games were shut down and coaches are doing more recruiting based on perhaps past film and kind of, you know, estimating where a guy is going to be based on what they saw perhaps as a junior instead of a senior going forward. Um, So there's lots of reasons. But that class, I think, did kind of mess us up a bit uh, and in addition to you know changing our whole offensive system and changing out coach chestnut and you know uh coach nick uh what do you think on all that
3: no, I I totally agree you lose a core you know group of of a class it's it's very apparent even at the high school level we're looking at years ahead and it's like okay all of a sudden you have a year where you only have eight seniors it's like well why, why do we have a bad year that year? Well, you're, you didn't have the leadership in that team. You didn't have that core group that kind of went through all those trials and tribulations and success and failure that, you know, that kind of hardened them and got them game ready when it came time to win games late, you know, late in the fourth quarter. And so when you don't have that on your football team, it's really difficult to win games. So um, hopefully, you know the the it, it, with how we recruit. I know that we're very you know diligent, very particular with the kind of guy that we want to recruit. We're not just going to go for, you know, the the highest star and the highest you know this, that, and the other. Um, Co- Coach Bo is going to be have have very serious conversations with these young men about you know why we should take a chance on them, um, why they why they need to be a cultural fit with our program. Um, I know a lot of schools try and just portal up and take as many. 3 4 5 stars as they can and hope that it works and i think we're we're seeing that that, that method doesn't always work um if at all so we're, we're going to continue to do that i know we're going to continue to do that um there's a very specific type of player and we talked about this a few episodes ago of like when the when we when we first started the program of like the guys that we took had the chip on their shoulder they had something to prove about about themselves and about our program they cared about the university and putting us on the map and and improving to everyone that we belonged and that we we deserve to be in you know fcs football well we need to recruit the same kids now we need to get the kids that you know are are not playing it wherever they are and they have something to prove they want to come dominate in in power five football or not power five fbs football but not power five football we need to get the kids that want to um you know come come dominate and they want to show that they deserve to be on the field um and that takes a very you know, sp- specific and particular conversation and, and skill set in, in the recruiting world. But I think that we have the guys that have done it. They've done it at the FCS level. Now it's just getting, get, getting guys from different places and plugging them into the right spots.
1: Right. And that's going to be harder this year too, because, you know, the emphasis is going to be, need. we need, we need bodies, you know, we need to fill, um, 15 to 20 more scholarships. Um, so, uh, not saying they're not going to be able to do that and go after the certain type of kid that we recruit, but, you know, we gotta, we gotta go out and, Sign 25, 30 guys um, as soon as we can. Just get guys in the system.
2: Without much or any NIL, which, you know, right. sure complicates it than it would back in the day. Um, that is but- true.
1: But also, you know, a school like Sam Houston State is probably in the same boat. Those guys aren't getting a ton of NIL money either. We're near the bottom, but there are going to be other schools that we're playing against that are going to be around where we're at. So I-, I wouldn't call that too much of a cause for concern yet. And I think we have more potential to grow than a lot of places do. So
2: Yeah. And these guys are going to get full scholarships. It's not like, you know, oh, other schools are offering NIL and we can only give them 25, 50 percent. No, these kids are going to get fulls from us. So, you know, they're going to be covered um, one way or the other. So I I, I that's definitely going to help.
3: You mentioned the NIL. Um, It's interesting that you brought that up. I pulled a lot of data um, over the last couple of weeks just looking at, okay, as we're starting to make this move. What does that look like, and if you look at the the you know the top team in conference USA right now, you know they've got a half a million dollars in nil money going to players that's something to consider in our in our recruitment of these kids is. um, You know where is that money coming from do we have any kind of collective setup, how are we why would a you know a, a guy that's in the portal or or at juco or that wants to transfer to an FBS school, why Why would he choose Kennesaw State over Liberty, right? Is it facilities? Is it culture? Is it NIL? And NIL plays a huge, huge factor in today's world. It is what it is. It's it's new and everyone's having to adjust on the fly, but there, it's certainly a factor in the recruiting piece when you're recruiting against teams that have, you know, a half a million, million dollars in the bank to use uh, in NIL money.
1: Right. I think we're really going to get to see how competitive the athletic department wants the football program to be. Um, because it's not that we don't have the infrastructure, you know, we've got the market, we've got the location. Um, It's a growing alumni base. It's a growing university. Uh, Could we get to the point Liberty's at? Um, Someday, probably, you know, we're very far away from that. Doesn't mean we can't be competitive with them, you know, on the field. Um, But we're going to, we're going to see how much, you know, Kennesaw State University wants to buy into Kennesaw State football.
2: So our coaches are going to have to work. You know, it's going to be one of those situations where you got to work two, three, four, five times as much or as hard to get by compared to schools that you know, like Liberty, perhaps that have the money that can offer a couple thousand to different players and have those huge facilities and whatnot.
0: Right, and it's not, and
3: it's not only about you know working two, three, four times harder, but just the number of staff. You know, another thing to look at: Liberty has thirty-five support staff members outside of their ten assistants and Jamie Chadwell. So you take those 11 out, they have 35 more people on staff that are in various roles, right? Quality control, um, defensive and offensive GAs, grad assistants, um, uh, senior analysts, all, all these you know titles that have been created throughout the years. They have 35 others, whereas we're sitting with 13 other staff members. So in the, that, that toll of recruiting, like Coach Bo said, Georgia to California, falls on a position coach who's been coaching a position all year has to recruit a massive area right and he is you know trying to dive in through the the database and look through his area and contact these high school coaches and it's just so it, it can get so piled up when you don't have an army of analysts and GAs to sort all that for you so that you can really focus your efforts on recruiting those handful of kids that you're looking for.
2: Are these um 13? Are these uh volunteer or are they paid or mixed? So,
3: for, so the people that I'm counting in our 13 support staff members is strength coaches, our offensive and defensive GA, which we only have one on each side of the ball, same as when I when I GA'd there. Um, and we have a this as of this year, we have a director of player personnel. It's kind of a one-man one man band. Whereas if you look at a Liberty or some of these more successful mid-major conferences, they have a director of player personnel. They have an assistant director of player personnel. They have three recruiting analysts. They have an. They have three or four offensive GAs, three or four defensive GAs, two or three more analysts on the other side of the ball. Uh, the strength staff is seven, eight people deep. I mean, you look at just the support overall, it's, it's night and day difference in the recruiting world of, of trying to compete with that.
1: I was just going to say the good thing is, you know, I'm sure the coaching staff is aware of all this. Um, and while that might not be an easy thing to adjust to, hopefully that there are things going on behind the scenes that we don't see, you know, to take care of these
2: needs. Um, so, I mean, as a recruiter myself, um, in my regular profession, not related to sports. Um, I totally understand, you know, where it's coming from. It would be great if, you know, somebody just set me up with a, you know, a list of numbers to call, kind of like a, we call it a sorcerer, um, and just say, hey, you know, here's a uh, lineman, you know, in Kansas, you need to check out. Put it on a list. You know, I'm coach. I watch some highlights. I make my calls. I do what I need to do, as opposed to, you know, where co- what they have to do is they have to, kind of perhaps, you know, make the calls themselves go over all of Twitter themselves, looking for people without narrowing it down, without sourcing it down. And it's just a lot of extra. uh, I can't think of the best word I could think of is uh, bitch work. Um, That's, you know, maybe edit that out. I don't care. That's kind of, you know, what it is, just bullshit type of work. But they have to do it because we don't have anybody else
3: hundred percent. And the guy that I took over for that left, you know, Danny Payne was the defensive graduate assistant when I played. And then he, uh, he ended up getting a, a full-time job up at army. He's now under coach Newberry at Navy. He is their director of player personnel and he has a staff underneath him um, that their whole job is to evaluate tape, right. Come up with recommendations, come up with, with pitches to the position coaches. So by the time that the position coach receives a name or, or a list of names, it's been filtered through two or three different people before it even makes its way to that position coach to then start recruiting. It's just such a time saver. It's such so much more efficient. Um, and, and so now when it's, you know, so, so, and so's birthday in a kid's area, right. That, that quality control coach is sending that kid custom graphic hey happy birthday have a great game this week whatever okay it's friday night we're going to send a blast out to all of our top kids well when you have the this army of of analysts and gas right they just boom dm them hey good luck tonight um you know uh uh uh, future murph good luck tonight against so and so Uh, you know we whatever just the constant communication it's it's everything in in the recruiting world um and it's something that we have to definitely look into uh as a as a program and that just as a university of are we going to apply more resources in those areas to compete at this level
2: uh i i think uh producer nick is available so ksu uh, hit him up
0: uh details to come slide into the dms nick you weren't a uh, communications major by chance were you i was not but i did a lot of sports marketing stuff okay. so i i kind of worked uh I wouldn't say closely with, but even doing like some of the announcing stuff, I've gotten to work with a lot of the SIDs on some stuff, so I know how a lot of that works on the backside.
2: You sound pretty qualified to me. You should reach yeah. out. <laughs> Absolutely, but this is your number one job, Nick. You can you can do the you know the recruiting stuff on the side. Yes, of course.
1: We pay Nick very well here at the Alchet Podcast.
2: <laughs> yes, he gets a you know we we pay him in all different types of compensation that I won't Alacoin. Alcoin, Yeah. Getting edited out, moving on. <laughs> no, <I'm kidding. laughs> All right. Anyways, um,
1: do y'all have anything else to add just about infrastructure or, um, you know, competition level at Conference USA? I,
0: mean, I do I... want to throw. Oh, I'm sorry, guys. I want to throw something in real quick. Uh, it's more of a broader topic that's going on at the G5 uh, level right now. But it's something that could be uh, interesting to us further down the line. Uh, a lot of the big college guys who cover uh, football uh, have been tweeting it out. Ross Dellinger, Chris Vanini uh, have been putting out stuff about the college football moving the 12 team college football playoff to a five and seven format next year, which would involve uh, five conference champions getting an auto bid and then the seven being at large. Whereas previously it was six and six because there was power 5 conferences and then the 1 G5 school uh and with the Pac 12 where it currently is they're not going to offer a uh an auto bid to a two team conference and that's also something that's uh trying to get worked in which is requiring conferences to have eight teams this would only uh be in play for the 24 and 25 seasons because beyond 2026 they haven't worked anything out but uh it is starting to circulate um there's only upside for the G5 here because if, if they don't approve this, if the, the G5 – like because it has to get passed through all of the commissioners, but I believe they are recommending it to the uh, newly minted uh, president of the group who I believe is an uh, Air Force AED or president or chancellor or something. They just announced that uh, earlier this past week. But I believe they are recommending that for 2024 and 25, and move to a 5 plus 7 format. Uh, But I'm interested to see if that stays at six and six, because that could mean two G five bids further down the line.
1: Right. And, uh, you know, we're pretty far away away from talking about Kennesaw state being in a position to make a, a college football playoff run. But, you know, for conference USA, that's a very good thing. Cause at the moment conference USA is at the bottom of the group of five. I mean, it's, you know, easily the worst of the conferences and not that, you know, it's going to stay that way. That's just the way it is right now. Hopefully we see some improvement in years coming, but I think that's a very good thing for us because it means, you know, if we run the table or we'll say, we'll say Liberty runs the table, right. And then Tulane runs the table, you know, the committee's not going to have to pick between one or the other. Maybe you get both in, Um, like you said, it's only, only beneficial to group of five, which um, to me, sounds like it's only beneficial to us.
0: Which yeah, that could even be a recruiting boost. I mean, you absolutely. don't know how
1: that could be pitched to the
0: kids. Like, hey, there are opportunities for you to get bigger exposure on a on a bigger stage, uh, just not at a larger school. You can start slow, work your way up, and who knows? If we make a run, then your name's already out there. Like, those kind of things. Obviously, those conversations go on. Right.
1: It are ever we... so slightly levels the playing field um, between the Group of Five and the Power Five. Yeah. Are we
2: eligible for uh, the playoffs or the bowl games in 2025, or...?
1: um i believe so james madison had to sit out two years and they're appealing that right now but it's because they didn't take the fcs transition year like we did okay Um, that's where i was
2: confused i guess yeah
1: so they made the jump and they had to sit out postseason back-to-back years but they'll be eligible next year uh college basketball it's three years maybe it's two years now i think it used to be three years um college football it's two years so next year no postseason um no, no bowl game, no playoff for us. No matter how things go, uh, we can still compete in the conference. I believe um, for a conference championship, but yeah, we have to look ahead to twenty twenty five before we start booking our playoff tickets.
2: College basketball uh, moving up to D one used to be. Uh, I think it's still four years.
1: I don't think it's four anymore. I think it's three now.
2: Okay, they changed. So I guess they just changed that then.
1: I believe this is Bellerman's last year um, being ineligible. So. Okay.
2: Either way, right. it still sucks.
1: I agree. I think it's stupid. I mean, you look at a school like James Madison, this is getting off topic a little bit, but like, you know, for what reason are they not allowed to <laughs> compete with the big boys in a bowl game? I, I just don't get it. I think it's dumb.
2: Yeah. And lots of injustice is going on in the NCAA, but that's, we could do a whole other episode about that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we could do a whole
3: yeah. podcast on that.
1: All right. Um, unless y'all have anything else to add, we can go ahead and take us out. I think Coach Nick had something to say.
3: Yeah, I just, in talking about all this, This last topic about, you know, expectations of next year and, oh, will we be bowl eligible and, you know, uh, recruiting and talking about all these things. I'm I'm, I'm I've kind of bit my tongue on this for the whole year of thinking about, okay well, what is our what is our what is our appeal? What how are we going to win in the recruiting world? How are we going to win these recruiting battles against these schools? And so uh, unfortunately, my high school team, we lost this past week, so I had a little extra free time over the weekend so i just kind of did a deep dive into financials of you know conference usa what does it look like what are they spending what are we spending and i'm 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 a little perplexed as to you know how we're going to win in the recruiting how we're going to win these recruiting battles if we want to be competitive in this league um, so i took the average of a lot of different metrics of liberty jacksonville state new mexico state western kentucky middle tennessee utep LaTeX, Um, FIU and, of course, Sam Houston, with Sam Houston being kind of the the new FCS edition. So they're kind of the outlier in this. Um, But if you look at all things that that have to do with recruiting, right, stadium capacity, the average stadium capacity in Conference USA is 26,600. We have 10,200, which John pointed out a few episodes ago that we magically created 200 seats. Um, You know, the average attendance at those games is 16,750, and ours is 9,100. So behind the eight ball there, something I touched on a little earlier, the number of support staff, um, the average, uh, for, for conference USA is 21 support staff members. So that's not counting the head football coach and the 10 assistants, but the, the, the analysts, the GAs, the quality control coaches, the strength coaches, um, director of player personnel all those, right. The average is 21. We have 13. So we're eight short there. Um, the overall operating budget the overall operating budget the average of a, of a conference usa football program is about nine million dollars with liberty being number one by far with 15 million and um sam houston being the lowest uh currently at four and a half million dollars we we're about, uh, just over four and a half we're at like 4.9 million uh is our operating budget for the year so uh, uh, about four million dollars less than the average operating budget of a conference usa program Uh, I looked at NIL deals, um, you know, Liberty has five guys that have massive NIL deals. And this is all kind of different third-party websites where you can go find this stuff, but they've got $551,000 amongst five players. Those are the ones that are reported. um, So that's the average of about a hundred, a player. So I took the average of, of all those and you're looking at about $150,000 in NIL deals of all Conference USA players so I say all that to say, it, it. you know, we've we've gotten so accustomed to the success of our program. And I think back to what made us so good in the early days is we were tough. We were pissed off. Right. We had to go make a name for ourselves, And I that was in 2014 when we redshirted the whole, you know, the whole team. We had our initial year in 2015. Well, we have not made a facility upgrade um, since then. Nothing has really changed since then. But we're, yet we're, we're we're climbing. I know there's things. Um, in that we put out in the press about you know the um, the money that's coming in for this this new facility well that was announced a a while ago there was a rendering in the football office of something that was supposed to take place years and years ago about creating a new um, overall a a total athletic space in Fifth Third Bank Stadium for all sports right a new uh, a new weight room facility a new uh, dining hall locker rooms uh, uh, training training center all that stuff And, and that never, that never came to fruition. So I I would love to know what the plans are with this, what was it, $150 million or something like that, um, that we announced um, for this new this new project that we're starting. I'd love to know where this money's going to go, how it's going to be allocated, um, because we are certainly behind the eight ball when it comes to competing in Conference USA from a financial standpoint, from a support standpoint. Because um, I, I mean, I think back to my time as a graduate assistant, I was there 11, 12, one o'clock in the morning all the time, you know, cutting, making graphics for recruits, you know, for official visit weekends, cutting out, making these custom name tags that they would wear and printing out all this, all this stuff. I mean, it, it, it's, it's, it's like a one man band on each side of the ball. They have an offensive GA and a defensive GA and that's it. Um, and and I've, and I've hoped that as we've grown and as we've, we've said, we're going to make this jump that positions would be added and, and resources would be, um, you know, garnered and, and put into place for for the program to grow. But it's, it's, I'm having a hard time seeing how we're going to compete in FBS against legitimate athletic departments and legitimate programs um, that have, that that are, that are putting this money and putting these resources in for these programs. I know Liberty is an outlier. They got a ton of money. They all, they got all kinds of drama with them anyway, but like the rest of the conference, you know, they're, they're doing very well. In fact, a a lot of these made money uh, the last year, looking at their, the revenue that they generated and their operating budget, a lot of these, Um, teams made money last year. So we have a large hill to climb if we want to um, truly continue the success that we have grown accustomed to in FCS, if we want to continue that in FBS. So there's a lot of things that we have got to improve on.
1: Well said, (laughs) it's a huge hill to climb. Um, I, I think the one thing we can put our faith into is that We made an educated, wise decision to make the jump and that our department and our boosters are bought in into making this a successful program because um, we wanted to be competitive at the FCS level. And, you know, we had guys or we had teams that um, maybe wouldn't have been good, but would have been competitive to okay at, you know, the FBS level. I mean, we had close games against Georgia State, Kent State. You know, we were in some of those games. Um, Now you take out the triple option variable and that changes things a little bit um but still uh, it's it's scary um it seems like there's a little bit more light being shed on where some of this money that's raised is going um but you know with with our department and the way things have been handled in the past who knows we can only hope for the best for sure and, and I uh, no one loves Kennesaw State football more than me I mean
3: seriously I, I feel like people make fun of me at work because I'm constantly talking about it right everyone knows that I'm a big Kennesaw State football fan but I mean We're we're, our, our, our locker, not our locker room, our weight room and our football offices are in an office complex. They're in a warehouse. You have to drive a mile to the stadium in your car to get, to go to practice. You, I mean, the, the, you know, there's, there's so much time and, and resources that are lost every week because The kids live on campus. They have to drive to a an 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 office complex that just has a KS above the door that doesn't even look like a football facility. You walk in; it's nice in there. There's coaches' offices. There's team meeting rooms. There's uh, our weight room, which is awesome, but again hasn't been touched since 2014 when they first built it. Um, You have your meeting, all that. You you have your lift. Then you got to get back in your car as a as a player, drive a mile down the road, park, go into Fifth Third Bank Stadium, go into the locker room, then walk you know, a mile to the practice, to the practice fields through the, through the track, through the woods. I mean, there's so much time that is lost in just our, our day-to-day football program that this facility could solve. Um, and, and that's, so that, like just little things like that. That if I'm a kid that's considering Liberty, that's considering UTEP, that's considering Western Kentucky, and I look around, I'm like, oh man, look at this football facility. It's right here uh, at the stadium. Everything's a one-stop shop. You know, I get my treatment here. I lift here. We go to we go to meetings here. Everything just makes sense. And then you come to our place and you know you gotta go into this office complex and you gotta drive down the street. It's it's a very, it's a it's a very hard sell. So I'm I'm happy that we've announced that money um and and the plans for that facility. I just the the sooner we get that thing up, the better, because that is gonna be a game changer for our program.
1: Right. It uh it puts us in this weird middle place. Um, because you talked about what's the appeal to recruits and it's like, well, what we do have now is we're not FCS, right? So we're going to beat out all these FCS schools, um, for kids, or we should, you know, (laughs) we might lose one here or there, you know, for playing time reasons or, you know, whatever else. Um, but so we'll get better kids. I think it's impossible to say that we won't, but we are still behind the, behind everybody else in our conference and at the FBS level. So they're going to have better
2: kids as well. So sure. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Um, it does kind of bring up the point that maybe Liberty shouldn't be in conference USA because they're so far ahead of everybody else in the conference. Um, so that's another thing to think about, but we are still miles ahead. The, uh, the Western miles behind the uh, Western Kentuckys of the world and the U tips of the world. So yeah, exactly. House- yeah Liberty is certainly an outlier, but I mean,
3: I mean, even Jacksonville state, I mean, stadium capacity at 24,000, updated facility in 2023, operating budget of almost $8 million, you know, got $410,000 in NIL money. Um, you know, we, we've all been to that stadium, I think, right? Or at least the, the yeah, I mean, we've all been there. It's an unbelievable, unbelievable setup. It's, that is an appeal um, versus our setup. So there, there, certainly Liberty is the outlier, but across the board, Conference USA, um, the schools that are in here now, they've got, they've got some, some good um, things to sell.
2: And, you know, you mentioned earlier about the move up to FBS and, you know, are we ready? All that kind of stuff. I mean, we've talked about this ad nauseum, but it's, it's now or never, you know, they changed the fee to $5 million, um, you know, depending on who you ask. Some people think it's too soon. Some people think it's not too soon. You know, I guess two things can be true at once. You know, it's probably too soon, but we also we had to do it. And because if we didn't do it now, we might never do it. And, uh, you know, if we have to these are all legitimate concerns and that you mentioned, Nick, with the the money coming in, and we might have to wait to see how the alumni base grows. We are a pretty new school. You know, everything has ballooned um, in the last 15 years or so in terms of enrollment, uh, bigger donor base, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, and when I was there, uh, when I first started in 2008, we did not have a uh, cafeteria. Um, like half the half the buildings weren't even there. Um, just, you know, no football team, obviously. You know, the convocation center wasn't revamped. The, you know, the where you can go and work out for students on campus was much crappier. It was very, and Nick probably, you guys probably remember that one, Nick probably does. Um, so, you know, things change. So, you know, five, 10 years from now, you know, we might be up on that, you know, that tier, that mid tier to where we kind of need to be. But you're right for, you know, these first couple of years, it's going to be an uphill climb. Um, And that's just part of the process. And, you know, if we can keep, you know, if we can keep up with Liberty and, you know, those schools with the higher budgets, and that's freaking awesome. But, you know, again, we just want to, you know, let's, let's be competitive and see what we can do.
3: Once an hour, always an hour.
1: Fantastic.
2: All right. Well, Nick, I want to thank you so much
1: for joining us just about all season to talk owls with us. You were great. We would love to have you back on next year and, you know, throughout the off season, whenever stuff comes up to talk about. So can't thank you enough. Thanks for joining
2: us, man. And this is your first win, right, Nick?
3: It is. It is. We've lost every other one. So <laughs> that's why I had to be so negative after this one.
2: Yeah, yeah. Ab- absolutely. And, you know, I was talking with uh, Nick, uh, you know, off uh, off air And, you know, we have, uh, you know, signing day coming up, I think, next month. So, you know, perhaps coach can come and, uh, you know, break down some of our commitments. Uh, We'll find a way to do that, uh, whether it's, you know, audio or maybe, you know, do some highlights on video, figure out a way to, you know, kind of do some coach speak and kind of show who we're getting. Be
3: awesome. Yeah, I'm all
2: about it. Fantastic. All right, guys, thank you so much for
1: joining us. Thanks to the listeners for listening to us all season. Uh, We will still be around for basketball coverage for the next several months and then baseball coverage after that, so don't go anywhere. Um, But signing off one final time for the 2023 football season, this is the Owl Chat Podcast.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Owl Chat Podcast. As a reminder, you can follow our hosts on Twitter at KSU Owl Howl and at Big Owl Blog. You can also view additional content on BigOwlBlog.com and be sure to join the online community of owl fans at KSUOwlHowl.com forum. Until our hosts return, stay happy, stay healthy, and as always, Go Owls!